What is up, y'all? It's your boy. It's your boy. It's your boy. Shave the mohawk, take the Jordan tattoo off your calf, and play some ball. He's the best to ever do it. It's that simple. Then go up there with the 12th man, the 13th man, the 15th. You can bring your grandmama's choir on there. Nah, but for real, you gon' have to see me. Everybody wanna be famous, but nobody wanna put the work in. Welcome to the Quentin Mayo Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Mayo, at T-O-Q-M underscore on Twitter and on Instagram. However you're viewing this, if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on Spotify or you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud, I want to say thank you for joining me today. Got a jam-packed podcast for you guys this evening. Now, before we get started, make sure you follow me on Twitter, like I said, at T-O-Q-M underscore. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube on the road to 3,000 subscribers. Original content coming every day. I'm DC Sports Head all those things so you know where i'm coming from and if you can relate i know you want to hear this business content um, a little bit about myself work for nbc sports washington dc just graduated from random making college in virginia and i think that's all that there is to know about me i'm just a dude trying to get to it trying to grind and i love talking about these wizards redskins capitals nationals all those things so without further ado let's go ahead and hop into it on this date this is july 30th a few things happened. First and foremost, Les Alexander purchased the Houston Rockets from Charlie Thomas in 1993. I got to get y'all with that basketball now. See, I was born in 97, so 93 was a long time ago, so I'm trying to educate myself while I'm educating you guys. Also on this date, July 30th, five-time All-Star, Mully, Chris Mullen, was born in New York, New York City, New York, 1963. Now, if you don't know Chris Mullen, I'm going to educate you a little bit. Chris Mullen was a Hall of Famer, played for the Warriors and the Pacers from 1986 to 2001. So he had a pretty lengthy career in the NBA. Also on this day, Bill Cartwright was born three-time NBA champion Bill Cartwright, part of the Chicago Bulls team with Michael Jordan. Um, he was born in Cali. So we got New York City, and then we got California, different coasts. They, all, they both played in the NBA. He was born on this day in 1957. They call him Mr. Bill, Dollar Bill, Medical Bill, whatever you want to call him. Bill Cartwright's birthday is today. So if Bill Cartwright or Chris Mullen just happened to hear this podcast, happy birthday. Sincerely, Quentin Mayo from Waldorf, Maryland. Like, never going to hear it. Anyway, Bill Cartwright had three-time, uh, he's a three-time NBA champion, played with the Knicks, Bulls, and the Supersonics from 1979 to 1995. So that is what happened on today's day. We're going to start doing that in every single podcast, a little NBA history each time you come to the channel or listen on the podcast. So let's get right into it. The Wizards today, they hired former Clippers um, front office executive. He was a, uh, he was a scout, EuroLeague scout, um, Johnny Rogers. He will be the new VP of Pro Personnel, which is a new role that the Wizards introduced um, this offseason. Now, Rogers has built a strong reputation throughout the NBA ever since he entered the league. Um, he was a member of the Clippers front office and he was a member of the Thunder front office. Now the Thunder and the Clippers, they are both well-renowned organizations in terms of their scouting and who they're drafting. They, I mean, they've had incredible success in the draft and developing players for a very long time now. So um, the Wizards just hired him. And what's kind of funny about this hire is that Ted Leonsis, when they announced Monumental Sports, or monumental basketball last week, they asked Ted Leonsis about the new dynamic of the front office. It's a collective group of people. It's nobody that's kind of like, you know, um, 
what what am I what is what's the phrase I'm thinking of? Nobody's reporting to anybody or anything of that nature. It's a group of people that are going to be making the decisions going forward for the Washington Wizards. And he compared that dynamic to that of who who would have thought the Los Angeles Clippers. And then a week after that statement, they go and they hire um, a new VP of Pro Personnel, um, Johnny Rogers. Did I even say his name? I think I said his name. Johnny Rogers. That's who they hired. If I forgot to say that. Anyway, that's who they brought in. Rogers was hired by the Clippers in 2016. He's also worked with OKC, as I mentioned. He went to the University of Stanford and the University of California, Irvine. Now, he played basketball um, for both schools in which he averaged 21.7 points per game and 20.7 points per game, plus 7.4 rebounds and 8.6 rebounds, respectively, in his last two seasons in college. He was also selected in the second round of the 1986 NBA draft by the Sacramento Kings. And in his rookie year with the Kings, he averaged 10 points, 10 and a half minutes, excuse me, and 4.2 points. Now, his second year in the league did a little bit better. Um, he got traded to Cleveland, but he played in 24 games and he averaged seven minutes. In t did I say better? <laughs> I didn't mean to say better. He got traded to the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, played 24 games. Average around seven minutes and average 2.4 points a game. So, I mean, not an illustrious career in the NBA as a player, but he found his way into scouting and personnel, um, got himself a front office role. He worked as a European scout, like I said, with OKC, but he's also a color commentator in the EuroLeague. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. That's, he knows his stuff. And when we're talking about um, European scouting and global scouting and, and stepping outside of the realm of the United States in terms of bringing in talent, international scouting. That's something that Tommy Shepard is extremely fond of, as well as um, Ted Leonsis. So it kind of fits right into the wheelhouse of what this team is trying to do in terms of the people they bring in, the players they bring in to play for this organization. Um, also, it's, it's to be noted that if you heard me say that he played through University of California, Irvine, you might be you might be thinking, why do I know that school? And the reason you probably familiar with it as a Wizards fan or following follower of the team is because Coach Scott Brooks also played with University of California, Irvine, and they were teammates during his time. I want to say they played together um, in 1985 in the 1985-1986 season. They were teammates on the same team. Also, they worked together. I told you that. Um, Rogers was a Euro scout during his time in OKC. Well, the reason it's kind of a familiar, um, familiar person for the Scott Brooks um, organization, the Wizards, is because they were on the same staff together. When Scott Brooks was the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, he worked alongside Johnny Rogers. He hired Johnny Rogers. So that is the tale of Johnny Rogers. In case you're wondering who is coming into the team, that is the newest addition to the Wizards front office, VP of Pro Personnel, Johnny Rogers. Now, Ted Leonsa said last week during the announcement of Monumental Basketball that they would start to add and revamp their pro scouting um, department, and that's exactly what they're doing. So please do not be surprised when more of these announcements are coming out in the near future. Now, one thing I want to drop on you guys really, really quickly is an important date. If you didn't know, which you should. It's the Wizards have until, well, excuse me, Bradley Bill has until October 21st to accept the Wizards offered contract extension of three years, $111 million. Now, I've been on Twitter pretty adamant about this. I don't think Bradley Bill is going to accept that contract extension. It just, in terms of some people that are, some people on Twitter are coming back at me and saying, well, he could 
financially secure himself right now instead of you know maybe he goes to the season he plays a lot of minutes he could get injured go ahead and get the three years 111 up front and that'll be the end of that but he could also be betting on himself which i'm 99 sure he is doing and it makes the most sense for him to wait regardless if he re-signs with the team or if he decides to take a sign somewhere else he makes more money by waiting now he could have an all nba year this year which would be quite difficult for a team that's probably not going to win more than 30 games if you can't get all nba last year when the team almost lost what 50 games then it's i don't i don't know how you get it this year unless you go absolutely bonkers and lead the league in scoring um this season in the midst of you guys the wizards that is losing more games than they did last year i just don't think that is quite possible now it has been some players that have lost a good amount of games and have claimed all nba um honor and this is something i talked about back during the season when we were saying how can Beal get all NBA on a losing team? We, just, we already had this conversation about how DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis were one of the two of the notable names to be on a losing franchise and a losing team in, in that same season claiming all NBA um, honor. So he could wait, get all NBA and be eligible for the Supermax and return to the Wizards. He could not be eligible for Supermax and still return to the Wizards for more money than taking this three years and $111 million contract extension up front. Also, Ted Leones and Tommy Shepard said, hey, look, we're not expecting him to sign it, you know, up front. Us offering him the three years for $111 million, that is a courtesy. That is a courtesy to Bradley Bill saying, look, we obviously want you to be a part of this franchise for a very long time. We want to build around you. We're trying our best to have the best front office, to be different, to show a sense of direction, to try to eliminate all the thoughts of Ernie Grunfeld and what he did or did not do when you were first drafted in your time and your tenure with the team thus far. And trying to show you that if you come back healthy, if John Wall returns healthy or even close to full strength, that this team can be special. You just have to trust us. Please come back. But you can also argue that at this point in Bill's career, he's tired of losing at what year seven or eight. Are you really ready to go through another rebuild? And they're trying to say it's not a rebuild. It's a it's a reboot. It's a retooling. Yeah, it's a rebuild. It's a rebuild. So we will see how this plays out. But like I said, October 21st is the date Bill has to accept the Wizards contract extension offer. So now we're going to trickle down my my uh, list here of things we got to talk about. Now, Bradley Bill, he is expecting another boy. It's a boy, another baller. Um, Bill and Kamaya announced that they are having another. Well, I mean, if, if you follow them on Twitter or Kamaya on Twitter or Bill, you can see that she's been expecting for some time. She is actually due, I want to say, in um, August, around August or September or September. Um, during that time, which I'm pretty sure that is correct because um, um, Bill had to turn down the national team training camp and the World Cup, which is in China, from around the time of August 31st to September to, to September 15th, which is, you know, it coincides with the date of the birth of the boy that we just found out. So Bill and Kamar are having another baby boy. Um, they already have a one-year-old son who just turned one. Uh, he was born on July 23rd. So they had that like a Mickey Mouse themed Disney celebration for um, Deuces. His name's Deuce Bill. His birthday party last week. And it looked like a pretty fun time. I wasn't invited, so I don't have any inside information about the, the, the baby's first birthday party. But yes, they are expecting another boy. And that is the news on Bradley Bill and Kamaya. So moving on, CJ Miles. 
CJ Miles has had surgery or will be having surgery to repair a stress fracture in his right foot and he's going to be reevaluated in about five weeks from now. I want you to keep in mind the word we are using and the Wizards have been using, re-evaluated. That does not mean he will be returning. We will talk more about this when I make my predictions about the starting lineup for the Wizards coming up this season because some things have changed. I got two notable changes that might surprise you about who will be starting for the Wizards this team. I mean, this year, and we'll get into that. But CJ Miles, I haven't really spoken on record, on camera, that is, or, or podcast about what I think about CJ Miles. Now, CJ Miles, he is a catch and shoot player. He's playing with some successful teams. He's playing with some trash teams. He's playing on the Raptors. He's playing on the Grizzlies. So he's been on both sides of the spectrum. I mean, he's playing on the Pacers as well. That was a winning team back when he played with Yamahimi, who was his best friend, who also lives two doors down from him in San Antonio. So. Um, they are reconnected, and I believe in a inter recent interview, uh, CJ Miles said when he got the news, he was excited. He tried to call Jan, but Jan had already beat him to it and was yelling in French and so excited to to be a part, uh, to, to compete with him once again. And he said, you know, Jan was yelling at me in French, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. But, or it's a French accent, and he said, I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but I could tell he was excited. So the two are reconnected. They get to team back up in Indiana. And I thought it was kind of kind of funny in my like six cynical satirical is that a word? Mine of CJ Miles was like, yeah, Jan said he's really happy for us to be playing together again. And I was like, uh, playing together is a strong term. You know, Yamahimi is looking like the third uh, option at center, but he also could be the third option. Or he could be the second option because this team has no defense. Now, Thomas Bryant can improve in the paint, which that's been the focus of his entire offseason regimen. His workouts is getting stronger, his lower body strength, his ability to rebound, his ability to play defense. He got bullied a lot last year by bigger guys in the paint, bigger five men. So he's been focusing on, he's been one of the most efficient big men in the league. He led the league in two point percentage last year. Um, he can put the ball in the hoop, so he can score. He can also expand his range to the three-point line and knock down some three-point jumpers, pick and pop in the mid-range. He can do the same thing, but he was really, 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 really effective in the paint, but his downfall has been his ability to rebound and be a rebounder. Like he has, His numbers are fairly decent, but he has to be a rebounder instead of just those rebounds that kind of like trickle into his hands. You got to go get those. You got to go get those, snatch those important possessions away from the opposition. And let's turn around and let's get back down the floor. So, yeah, him playing together. Back to the original point of Jan and Thomas Bryant playing together. I mean, Jan and CJ Miles playing together. I thought it was a, it was a, bit, it was a bit odd because, you know. Y'all doesn't do much playing. But anyway, moving on, let's go ahead and get into my projected starting lineup. Now, this podcast is not going to be a very long podcast, maybe 30 minutes or so. Um, and then YouTube will obviously probably be shorter because I'll go through and edit some things and throw some things in there to make it a little more consumable for you guys who are watching. Um, but what I wanted to announce, and I kind of should have done this at the beginning, was I will be doing podcasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you will be getting a podcast from me at least once or twice a week now i have another podcast it's the uncapped podcast i do with my co-host andrew allsbrooks that will be making a return this thursday we are going to be talking about 2k ratings and all those things um make some predictions for the nfl season the nba season and we'll go from there also we'll discuss some music over there so for my music heads a lot of new music that came out make sure you tune into that podcast follow me on twitter for that too Shameless plug, be prepared for that on Thursday. But yes, you will be getting a podcast from me every single week, at least one. And then once the NBA season ramps up and is around the corner, you will be getting 
I can't even give you a number of how many podcasts you're going to be getting to the regular season because we are going to take over. We're going to take over the Wizards podcasting platform. No disrespect to my guys. Like, I give respect where respect is due. I love my guy Fred Katz over at The Athletic. Um, I love Wizards After Dark. I love my boy Chase Hughes and Chris Miller. Those are my literally my co-workers at NBC Sports Washington, and they do a great job at the Wizards Talk podcast. But look, look, look at me now. Zoom in. We got some good coming. We got something good coming this offseason. I really want to take this by the helm and be different from those other podcasts. Um, in general, all the podcasts that are out there and bring you guys something that's a little more um, off the wall, but also informative and entertaining. And that is what we're aiming to do. So no other podcast out there is going to compare to this pod right here. Trust me. Trust me. And I've been on some podcasts before. Trust me, this is going to be the one-stop shop for podcasts. Now, after that shameless plug, we're back into it. Let's project the starting lineups for the Wizard this offseason. I put a tweet out there, and I said, which one of the biggest questions this offseason has been the Wizards' depth at point guard. Now, when you have point guards like John Walsing on the bench, they brought in Ish Smith, and they brought in Isaiah Thomas. Now, I put a tweet out there, and I said, who is the starting point guard? For the Washington Wizards come game one of this NBA season. Now, initially, my choice was Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, I mean, what, what can I say? I mean, he looks to be fully healthy. He can score the ball. It's Isaiah Thomas. This is one of the, one of the guys who was the top player, top three players in the NBA at one point before he suffered the hip injury. If he feels good. He's going to get minutes here that he didn't get in Denver because of, you know, situation. He should be the starting point guard. He's the most dynamic playing alongside Bradley Bill and others. Then I began to think about it and I said, hmm. Now, the poll I did on Twitter, I think it was about 70-30 Isaiah Thomas was the answer. Now, I had this conversation with Nick Ashew of NBC Sports Washington. And he said... No, Ish Smith is going to start this year. And we argued back and forth. And then Chris Miller said, Ish is the starter. Now, when Chris Miller says Ish is the starter, you got you to gotta listen up. So I, I took that into account. I went home. I did my own research. I watched a lot of clips from last year from both of the guys. Now, Isaiah Thomas obviously didn't play much, but I watched a lot of Ish Smith plays as well. And I'm going to switch my answer. So let me go down my entire starting lineup, and then we'll delve or dive into some of the reasons for at least two positions because the rest of them, they, they kind of spell themselves out. So my starting point guard for the Wizards next season is going to be Ish Smith. Ish will start at point guard. You got Bradley Bill at two guard. Thomas, not Thomas, Troy Brown Jr. is going to start at the three. You got Davids Bertans starting at the four. And you got Thomas Bryant at the five slot. Now, here is why I have... Ish Smith starting over Isaiah Thomas at the beginning of the season. So for one, last year, Ish's best plays were assists. He's a great playmaker. And his game style, his game play, the, the tempo and the pace that he plays with most closely resembles that of John Wall. He's one of the fastest players in the NBA. It's well documented. Um, he pushes the pace. He runs the fast break well. And that is one of the major keys to Scott Brooks's offense. His offensive philosophy is to push the paces, get out and run. And if you want someone to do that, Ish Smith is that guy or is going to be that guy in this system. I mean, he did it. He's done it all his career. You can even look back last year at his time um, in Detroit. 
that's that's what Ish Smith does. He gets the ball off the rim and he's gone. He's gonna make plays. He's gonna apply pressure to you. And I also didn't realize how good of a one-on-one basketball player Ish Smith is. He has a, a very underrated finishing ability at the rim. His handle, low key though, low a hey, low key. Ish Smith has the pat. Like he has the ball in the string. He loves his in and out, but the way he does his in and out is similar to the beginning of the Sham God, where you throw the ball out in front of you, but you're snatching it. So the snatch motion of his of a Sham God is how he does his in and out, and the ball is so far out that most times a defender has no choice but to try to get that ball because it looks like it's literally right there in front of you. And he brings it back and makes defenders look so, so silly. It's it's such a beautiful move. So I have some notes that I wrote here down wrote down here about Ish Smith. Um, he's a, also, a, a, alongside the things that are already named, he's a better defender than Isaiah Thomas, which may not be saying much, but he's he's taller than IT. Uh, that's that's one thing. He brings a little more size at the starting point guard position for the guys that you'll be playing every single night in, in D.C. or wherever they're playing. Also, when you're talking about defense you you don't want anyone to be a glaring liability on defense now i wouldn't say ish smith is a glaring liability on defense he's a willing defender he's not a guy that you have to hide and that's something that um brad stevens had to do with isaiah thomas during his time in boston now when you're hiding a player like isaiah thomas it, it makes things a little more tricky you have to be a, a very elite coach to be able to do that well and to still be professional defense while your best player or your best score is hiding. And then he also, it's, it's a benefit to him hiding on defenses because now he has a little more energy to put the ball in the hoop on the other side of the floor. So that's one thing. But he is a better defender than Isaiah Thomas. Like I said, he's an above average ball handler with an extremely underrated handle. He's one of the nastiest in and outs and sham guys I've ever seen. I already mentioned that. Also, the way he operates horizontally in the paint is a weird thing I appreciate about his game. A lot. If you go back and you type in his highlights right now, you go watch some full game clips. He operates in the paint left and right a lot. Like, so he'll come down. Let's say you got pick and roll with Andre Drummond, but he'll drive to the rim. Another defender will come over. And I got to start the camera back over. Another defender will come over and try to contest Ish at the rim. He'll dribble through like the little Steve Nash, old school, dribble through under the rim, come back, look behind him, come back and zip through the paint again and then have a cutter, let's say from the three-point line or the wing or the free throw line extended right there and dish it off. And it's a, it's a lot of cool things he does. He operates left and right horizontally in the paint and that allows for him to make more plays and i thought that was something that was really neat about his game something i guess it may be weird it's something you don't hear often but that's one thing i definitely noticed um when watching film on him he utilizes every inch of the court which is something that you typically don't see and it's honestly it's a testament to his longevity in the league he's been he's been in the league for what nine years so he's been in the league he's been on a few teams but the fact that he can keep getting a job is not it's not saying it's saying a lot because he obviously does something that a lot of teams feel like they can use at the point guard position. So he operates horizontally, always seems to find the big man drumming uh, very efficient on pick and roll. Yeah, I've watching him, he always looks to find the big man. I mean, it's a higher percentage of a higher percentage at the rim if you're giving it to a guy that's closer to the basket. And he does a great job of giving it to Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, guys who can finish at the rim with ease. He always takes that extra step or looks for that extra second or that extra pass to get it to a guy who can finish in a situation, especially because he's so fast. 
that if he beats his defender, which he does quite often, it's always that help that comes over to him, whether it's from the right side or the left side of the floor. So when you have two defenders out of position, it's always going to be that one man open. We always talk about the extra pass in the NBA. Ish Smith is good at making that extra pass. And when you're giving it, especially to your bigs, your five men who can get up and get easy buckets, breastfed buckets as, or spoon-fed buckets. I said breastfed. What the heck? <laughs> spoon-fed buckets, which is something that we remember from the John Wall versus Marshall Gortat argument. When you give those big men some spoon-fed buckets, if they're not in a rhythm from getting their own shot or, or making their own shot or creating their own shot or not in a rhythm from shooting mid-range jumpers or anything of that nature, if you can get them some spoon-fed easy buckets that allows him to get some points on the board for one but also get into a rhythm and just seeing the ball go through the hoop especially with Andre Drummond who wasn't the best free throw shooter he had to capitalize on getting buckets when he could when he wasn't fouled and even though Andre Drummond significantly improved his uh was it Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan or both who improved their free throw percentage I want to say I'm thinking of DeAndre Jordan but I'm not sure I, I'm pretty sure Andre Drummond improved his free throw percentage last year as well so I have to go check that but who cares you get what I'm trying to say so with Thomas Bryant Thomas Bryant is a guy who's so active on that baseline he's a great pick and roll roll man um, he's always has his eyes up and his hands ready to get the ball and put it in the rim. And that's why I think him, the pairing of Ish Smith and Thomas Bryant, I think that is a really, really good pairing, especially for a team of this caliber, a team that's not expected to win 40, 50, 60 games, but seems looking to rebuild in some bright spots in terms of developing a guy who you just paid in Thomas Bryant. I think that pairing, a guy who's looking to feed the big man like Ish Smith, I think that's a really good thing. Also, he's very tough to stay in front of, like I said. Now, he didn't start last season, but he did play 56 games. His per 36 numbers last season were 14 points per game with 5.8 assists and 4.2 rebounds. Now, if you don't know what your per 36 is, your per 36 is estimating what your player would average if they played 36 games. I mean, 36 minutes per game. Now, it's something that's pretty much, it's oftentimes utilized for to get an even playing field for players that get on the same average so you can look at their their stat line but also for some backups when you want to project what they would be like with playing a minute load of of a nba starter so that's kind of how you look at that and also it's it's skewed in a certain extent because you have to factor in a player that's playing more minutes will experience fatigue and stamina issues as well so you're not as fresh if you're only playing seven eight nine ten minutes a game but the per 36 is something that's advanced stat that's used by many people around the league so that was that was his per 36 numbers and it's really cool to utilize that as well especially when he will probably be thrust into the starting position or at least get substantially more minutes this season than he has in recent or prior seasons so there we go now i think what will be interesting to look at is how isaiah thomas handles that now isaiah thomas is a leader vocally first and foremost but also through his play on the floor now i want to see how scott brooks in this front office handles that and i would love to be a fly on the wall in terms of their discussion with isaiah thomas um once they convinced him to join the team was what is his role now you're going to tell me that in isaiah thomas feeling as good as he's felt, will not be a starting point guard over the Ish Smith? You know what I'm saying? That's that's kind of what I'm thinking here is like, how can you tell IT, hey, you're good, but 
we don't really have you starting over Ish Smith. Like, how would Isaiah Thomas handle that? Like, IT absolutely believes he's the second best player on the team behind Bradley Bill. Like, you can imagine how and why he would feel that way. So how is that conversation going, telling him that he can't start over Ish Smith, especially when he's in an offseason where he's playing basketball every single day and he doesn't have to go through the grind and the grit of actually recovering from an injury, working back from an injury or anything of that nature? How does that go? So that will be another thing that's interesting to watch. Now, IT played 12 games last year for a total of 181 minutes, so he didn't get much playing time. So that could be one thing you say, well, look, you haven't played a lot of NBA action. It's played over 1,000, maybe 1,800 minutes last year. So we will see. We will see. Um, what Ish does first and then how we can gauge training camp and practice and we'll go from there. But, you know, we want to kind of ease you back into things in terms of giving you that minutes workload because I, I will also have to figure that they want to be safe. I mean, he's like, he only played 17 games last year or 12 games last year. You want to kind of work them back into the swing of things. It's sort of like basketball. I mean, football. You can play 7-on-7 seven seven all summer long. You can play no contact all summer long. But once the pads are put on, the heat is kicked up, and you're smacking and banging against each other for the full duration of a game, it's different. Game shape is different. Game shape is not just running suicides in the on the in the court or in the um, in the gym. Game shape is not playing seven on seven football and playing touch, two hand touch, and you know racing each other the forty yard dash. You're literally trying to take someone's head off every play in the, in the NFL. That is, and then the NBA just the the, the licks you take, especially from a guy who's recovering from an injury or says he's in the first offseason of not having to recover from an injury or work back from an injury. How will you operate when you are getting that attention on defense? You're having that contact. You're falling to the ground. You're literally putting your best effort out there every play while other players are doing the same. It's different because he's had some runs this offseason in certain camps and certain leagues, and he was over at Rico Hines at UCLA playing with those guys. But, I mean, a lot of those guys, they do go hard, but a lot of times they're also going half speed. There's not a lot of defense being played. And when it's a fourth quarter and it's a two-point game, in the last two minutes of the game where de the defense is ramped up and everything's getting physical, it's getting chippy, you're playing your old team, let's say you're playing the Celtics, where it might not really matter the outcome because the Wizards probably aren't going to do anything this year, you still kind of have that grudge of, I want to prove to them they made the wrong decision type thing. So I think they'll probably ease him back in. So that's why I'm going to go Ish Smith over Isaiah Thomas. And I didn't, I've talked so much about Ish Smith and IT, I didn't even talk about um, Troy Brown Jr. at the starting three man. Now I have Troy Brown starting at the three simply because of CJ Miles' injury. Now, like we're going to circle back to the point I made about he'll be reevaluated in five weeks, which is going to push him right up to training camp. Reevaluated and being clear for on court activities, recovery, and participating on the floor, those are different things they're absolutely different who says in five weeks from now when he's reevaluated that they say okay this is not healing as fast as we thought now remember this is the same foot that he injured and this is the same foot that caused him to miss 29 games last season so it's obviously an issue so that does not mean that he'll be starting rehab or doing on-floor activities, participating with the team five, six weeks from now. So they could say, okay, it's healing a little slower than we expected. Also, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to rush you back from anything. How about you just take another week or two before we clear you for on-floor, and then we'll go from there. So it's no guarantees right now when he will be back. 
So, I'm going to have to give that to Troy Brown Jr. at the starting position. Now, Troy Brown last year, he played 14 minutes a game. Um, and this year, you can expect him to experience a substantial increase in minutes and workload, especially with now C.J. Miles looking like he might not make it. He might not make it um, as a starter or back on the floor in time enough to be the starter for the Wizards. So, Brown, we're going to take a look at Brown's per 36 really quick because I kind of like doing that now. It's a recent trend of mine. I'm like, oh, what, what would their numbers be if they actually got some substantial minutes in? Brown's per 36 from last season was 12 points per game, 7.2 rebounds a game, and 3 assists. Now, I think that's about on par with what he could do now. I mean, I think the biggest thing here is I think – the 7.2 rebounds per game. I could definitely see Drew Brown grabbing like eight rebounds. Like, like it's close. And at this point, I'm just, you know, we're just splitting hairs here. But Troy Brown's rebound ability, especially for a wing player, is pretty, pretty impeccable. So that's something to watch. But 12, 7, and 4, that would would be a win in my eyes for a stat line from Troy Brown. Now, if he's going to play substantial, substantial minutes, like let's say if he could kick it up to 15 points per game, which would be something to see because he's not – a player that has displayed an ability to score that well yet. Um, Troy Brown is a playmaking guy at heart. He's a playmaking player. He played point guard up until his senior year of high school. So he's a player past first guard. So now kind of that growth spurt kind of caused him to be more of a wing type guy and to now, you know, expect people expect scoring from him but he's a, de a defensive guy he has the tools to be a good defender he's really long and uh he's a playmaker so we'll see so that's what i'm going to go ahead and give the edge to troy brown jr so i got the four b's in side note the wizards have the most players with the last name starting with the letter b on the same team in the nba right now it's a random somebody i tweeted this out and sometimes like oh it must be a slow day at the office yeah it's it's been a slow one it's been a slow one but whatever i've got ish smith on our point guard bradley bill troy brown davis bertans and thomas bryant and they also have isaac bonga see that's look at all those bees right there anyway that's gonna be my starting lineup ish brad troy davis and thomas so I think that is about it. I said I was going to go 30. I ended up going 35 and my camera cut off. So part of this podcast, um, unfortunately, will be cut off of YouTube. And I want to apologize for that. So maybe I'll have to do some fancy editing and some things of that nature. Maybe I'll just put the audio track and then sub in some highlights. Oh, it's a great idea. Sub in some highlights. Y'all don't have to see me the whole time. I'm not, you know, I think I'm handsome, but y'all don't really care about that. So if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you leave your boy a like on YouTube and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on that channel. Also, in terms of listening to the podcast, make sure you follow the podcast on Spotify. They have the follow feature now. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on soundcloud.com. Again, my name is Quinn Mayo at TOQM underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you go follow me. I also do giveaways on there too. I just had a giveaway winner yesterday. I gave away a beautiful microphone kit. It's not over here right now, but I gave away a microphone kit and um, I'll be doing that throughout the entire season. So if you like the pod, rate it five stars, comment on it, leave your feedback and share it with your friends and your DC family. And speaking of DC family, <coughs> DC, DC family, family. I'm out of here.